Let me just say, the other day I received a text, and all it said was, yo, you okay? And I thought to myself at first, damn, does that mean people think I'm not okay? But then I quickly realized, nah man, it means people care if you're okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, far too kind. Get an encore, do you want more? Cook can roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Uh, 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 uh. Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, nigga, make some noise. Welcome to episode four of the Let Me Just Say podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, also known as Dodgers underscore blues on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in for those first three, if you did, or if you're a new listener, welcome, thank you for listening now. I'm thankful that you guys take some time to listen to me, and I just wanted you to know that I appreciate it. So I wanted to to start this week's podcast off talking a little bit about how irrationally upset we get as sports fans, and why does it happen? I'm not going to tell, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that, I'm sure you could Google some shit. Or some of you guys might be psychology majors and you can be like, well, here's why. Well, I, okay. But uh, why, the he- why the hell do we, do we allow ourselves to go into like literal deep depressions when our sports franchises lose, sports teams lose sporting events, whether they be major or minor? It's... For anybody who's not a sportsman and can't understand it, it's very hard to describe. It's almost like you put so much passion into it and you feel like you're such a part of it that it hurts almost as much as if you were on the team if you lose. That might sound crazy. And maybe that's not for everybody. But for me... When the Dodgers lose, I feel like I lost. And that might be crazy to some of y'all, but what are you going to do? I love baseball. I love the Dodgers. I love sports. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But why does it happen? Why do I get... Why does my brain allow me To become so depressed over a team full of men competing and losing that competition. I don't know, but I still wouldn't give it up. Do you guys have that happen? Am I the only one? Like, I I know we care about it a lot on Twitter about being depressed, but I assume it's got to be. A good majority of you guys feel similar. And I know some people play it off all cool and calm. Like, whatever, you know, on to next year. Like, blah, blah, blah. But, there's got to be most of you guys saying the same exact thing. Like, why? Why am I... Why do I allow myself to get so triggered? That's a 2019 hot word. Triggered. Um, about 
my team losing a sporting event. I don't know. It's it's crazy to me, but I fucking love it at the same time. Because the emotional highs that you get off your team winning, holy shit. Inject that into my veins. But is it worth it? <laughs> is the high worth the low? I don't really know. Probably not because I'm fucking miserable when my team loses. And I might have said this on the podcast before, but I fucking, I hate losing more than I love winning. And that might be like a try hard statement or, you know, I don't know. But I fucking hate losing more than I love winning. So, sports are fucked up, man, huh? Just a bunch of dudes playing a game that just really fucks with you. But I love it. (laughs) And I wouldn't trade it for the world, and I don't think you guys would either. So, just tell me I'm not the only one who's pacing around his living room during every single sporting event. And then sitting on the couch in the dark contemplating why I do it to myself when they lose but also running around my house like a madman screaming at the top of my lungs probably scaring the shit out of my neighbors if anything does go well when my teams are playing so it's a double-edged sword huh but I'll fall on that bitch every day of the week speaking of uh, depression I sent a tweet recently and it said on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being out of control and 10 being you good, fam. Where would you rate me if I told you I went to the strip club alone? Hypothetically speaking. Now I got responses all over the map from 1 to 10 and I respected all of them. I respect everybody's opinion. I don't agree with all opinions, but I respect all opinions because I have lots of them. But I just don't get the negative connotation in regards to the strip club, especially solo. Now, why is it okay for a guy to go out, sit at the bar, or go to a club alone, find some girls, find some women, talk to them, maybe dance with them, maybe exchange numbers? Maybe do a little French kissing on the dance floor. (laughs) Do people French kiss anymore? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, or if he goes to a strip club to enjoy the entertainment from the opposite sex. In return, he's tipping them because of their hard work. I I think personally I I just I don't see the difference in going to a club and trying to find a girl to dance with and going to a strip club and watching girls dance. I mean, if we're being honest here, there's some trifling ass shit that happens in the club and in the bar. Almost more trifling than a strip club. But I don't know. 
I understand taking your buddy to the bar. You can talk about sports. You can talk about life. You can talk about whatever else bullshit comes up. But when you go to the strip club, there's not much to talk about. I don't want to sit there and talk about what moves I think the Dodgers should make in the offseason when there's a fine young woman working her ass off to get my attention. And speaking of that, I love fucking attention. And if I brought a buddy with me, he's going to be stealing some of that. So you know what? I'm going to go to the strip club solo because I want to help this nice young lady who's working very hard to entertain me secure the bag. And I want to do that alone because I don't need the moral support. The only thing I'd probably end up telling my buddy if he was sitting next to me on a night out at the strip club is, man, I think I just fell in love with her. (laughs) While we're talking about love, uh, let's cruise to the MLB hirings. We had a couple of new managers get hired around the baseball world, and I guess I'll talk a little sports here on this podcast. So um, what do we got? Jace Tingler. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Tingler was hired for the San Diego Padres. Padres fans fans don't seem too happy about this one. But uh, sheesh. Let's see here. What do we got about Jace? He's a former Rangers player field coordinator. What? Rangers major league player field coordinator. I don't really know what that means. So I can understand why the fuck the Padres fans are still upset. Uh, Good luck, Padres fans. Jace Tingler. That sounds sort of like a pedophile's name. Sorry, Mr. Tingler. Moving on. uh, Joe Madden signed with the Angels, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim that are in Anaheim and not in Los Angeles. Uh, one of his first quotes was, the Angels aren't going to be pussyfooting around next season. They're making the postseason. Okay, Joe. You might want to have the front office sign you some players because Trout has been trying to carry that damn team by himself to the postseason for what seems like 100 years. And yeah, I know maybe they'll have Otani healthy all in the year next year, but... You need some more help, brother. And if it's Garrett Cole, you better get the fucking pocketbook ready. Pocketbook? Checkbook. I'm at a checkbook. You better get the checkbook ready. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to be pussyfooting again. So. uh, The David Ross signed on with the Cubs. I don't know if the Cubs know something we don't. Uh, David Ross stopped playing baseball like seven minutes ago. No managerial experience. Their team's kind of, I don't know, stuck in this weird limbo where are they good? Are they not good? They just won the World Series, but are they really good? Is Chris Bryant good? I thought he was good. I wanted him to be good. I like Chris Bryant. But weird hiring to me, if you ask. I mean, I know he's a clubhouse guy, or he was at least. 
I know catchers make excellent managers, ex, excuse me, ex-catchers, but Dave Ross, Chicago Cubs. Last on the list, Joe Girardi signed on with the Phillies, replacing uh, our man Gabe Kapler. And I say our man because anybody who's not familiar, he was obviously with the Dodgers organization for years as, I don't know, there's so many crazy baseball jobs i think he was a strength and conditioning player development guy something like that i can't really remember roundabout stat but uh i liked kapler when he was with us he's just not cut out to be a major league manager at this point at least so sorry gabe in goes girardi uh another guy that i think a lot of people have been bitching about this postseason and his announcing i don't know maybe they Felt he was biased some. I don't really know the complaints, but it's just another guy that's getting railroaded on the Twitter about his announcing ability. So I think you just heard Lily barking right there, and I'm not going to be able to get that one out. So I apologize. All y'all dog lovers, you know how that goes. Speaking of Gabe Kapler and strength and conditioning and all that, it made me think the other day I was at the gym And this crazy-ass thought popped in my head. You know, I go to the gym sometimes in the morning. My schedule kind of fluctuates work-wise in terms of when I start and when I stop. It's never just consistent. So I go to the gym sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes in the evening. And the one thing that I've realized in going to the gym at these different times is there's a different type of woman in the gym throughout these different time frames. And I kind of broke it down in my head and I'm gonna tell it to you guys. Hopefully nobody takes offense to this. And if you do, well, whatever. So, pre 10 a.m., what will you see in the gym? Men, you will see the MILFs. The ladies there still trying to keep their shit tight. They still look good as hell. But they got to go to the gym between before 10 a.m. because they got a lot of shit to handle for the rest of the day. They got a busy-ass schedule. They might have some kids they got to deal with. And they probably got a dumb-ass husband that they got to take care of as well. So pre-10 a.m., it's MILF time. From, say, about noon till 5 o'clock, 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock, what you're going to see? Former athletes. They're trying to avoid the busy times, you know, because 5 p.m. after is when it gets really crowded. They don't want to see bros flexing in the mirror. They just want to cycle through their workout that's probably very detailed and very in-depth without having to wait for people making Instagram videos. 6 p.m. on, speaking of Instagram videos. A lot of the women you're going to see at the gym from 6 p.m. on look like they were on their way to the club, got lost, and ended up at the gym. The makeup's on point. The hair's done. They got some long-ass acrylics on. And the fit matches perfectly. And most of these ladies, they don't even need to really be in the gym because they're genetically just blessed but I'll tell you what, you can't get a sponsorship from Fit T on Instagram 
if you don't have at least a couple videos in the gym. All that being said, keep doing you ladies. I see you grinded. Speaking of a grind, do you guys think that you could ever date a non-sports fan? Do you think you could, if someone had no interest in sports at all, do you think you could have a healthy, long-lasting relationship with them? Because sports takes, you know, a good portion of of our lives. You know, we, we, had, we dedicate a good portion of our lives to sports if we're passionate about sports. So non-sports fans, I mean, if you think about just as a baseball fan, we watch 162 games. Granted, you miss some. I get that. But if you watch even half of the baseball games that your team plays, three hours a time, three hours a clip, that's a lot of time in front of the television or in the stands. So do any of you guys have relationships where your significant other has zero interest in sports? Now, it's not the same if she likes football and she hates baseball and she just deals with you liking baseball. No, I'm talking about someone who no love for any type of sporting event. I don't personally think I can make something like that work, and I don't know whether that sounds strange. Uh, it might to some of y'all, but I guess if we really had other things in common, I could meet. We can meet in the middle, and you know. But the amount of time that sports consumes in my life, I just don't see how I could, in good conscience, date someone or be married to someone who didn't love those sports when I knew I was going to be dedicating so much time and passion to that said sport. So what do you got? Does anybody have a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that isn't into sports and they are? How's that work for you? I'd love to, I'd love to hear that, uh, whether it's a DM or a reply when I shoot this out on Twitter or whatever. How, how does it work out? How, how do you guys go about maintaining a relationship where one of you is so passionate about one thing that consumes a good portion of your life, yet you make it work But when the other person has zero interest in that. You know, just something I think about once in a while is, uh, you know, sports fans are crazy and it takes a unique, unique person to be in a committed relationship with them. Especially if they don't share that high level of passion that you do, so... Let me know. How do y'all make it work? Do y'all make it work? And why the fuck don't you love sports? Come on. While I'm talking about this, what what makes a super fan? For any of you guys that saw that tweet this week, um, and you know what? We don't even have to just reference that tweet, but you often see the term super fan. What, what really makes a super fan? I'd love to know where the line's drawn. No, I don't dress up in costumes. No, I don't go to every single game. No, I don't have thousands of followers on Instagram. So what makes a super fan? And who decides who super fans are?
I guess maybe this is just a ridiculous topic because everyone could just consider this themselves a super fan. And maybe I'm just sounding like a hater right now for even bringing something like this up. But I just kind of wanted to know what exactly is a super fan? How do I become one? Am I one? I don't know. But I do know one thing. You can't really quantify how much another person loves a team or a franchise. So, all in all, I guess who the fuck cares? We're all super fans if you ask me. I'm going to get a little dark now on the podcast, I guess, and talk about... I sent a tweet this week about my dog Lola, who I've talked about before. You know, I, I lost her this past February. But I was thinking recently, and I kind of I touched base with somebody else who reached out, lost a, pass, a pet, excuse me, recently, as well as, you know, a human in their life, and... I thought to myself that when I was telling the story that it's crazy that and some of you guys might judge me because of this but that's I don't care whatever it's nice to talk about these things but I it was harder for me to and it's still even weird to say it was harder to get I had a hard I had a more difficult time with my dog losing my dog than when my father passed and they both hit me hard don't get me wrong I love my dad and I miss him dearly but it was just different so my father was very ill as I've said on the podcast before and my mom called one day and said hey I think it's a good idea if you get a plane ticket back because things took a turn for the worse that was basically the conversation I got. So I booked a flight the next day, flew back to PA, and by the time I got there, he was in basically in a medically induced coma. Uh, I stayed for four days. It's, you know, and, you know, spent 24 hours a day, basically went home and just sleep a little bit. But by his bedside, you know, him, him in that medically induced coma the whole time. And... <clears throat> When I left him, it was around 6 in the morning, I had to fly back, you know, unfortunately life gets in the way of a lot of shit, so uh, I had to fly back for work, and, you know, he, he, I got a phone call when I reached Detroit, I had a layover, uh, I laid over in Detroit, and I got a phone call from my mom on my first layover, it was about a two hour fly, flight from PA to Detroit, and she said, you know, your father passed. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Like, talk about, I'm I'm in an airport waiting for a layover, finding out my father passed away. You know, trying to hold it together. Because no one's going to understand why this grown man's bawling his eyes out. But, I, you know, I, I kind of found my own spot in the, in the uh, terminal and kind of let the tears flow. And when 
we took my dog to put be put down. I could not control myself. I weeped and cried like a newborn baby. And I kind of felt guilty for it. Because it was a month after my dad passed. And maybe it was because... Maybe my father's passing was a little easier on me. Because for years he was sick. And I, I was expecting this. Like It was a blessing that we had him as long as we did after his illness. Because it was it's a, it's a terrible disease. And if you didn't listen to the first couple of shows. I lost my father to a disease that's called Louis Body's disease. Or Louis Body's dementia. Or... You can Google either term if you'd like to read into it. But I felt very guilty that night at the at the vet when we took Lola to be put down. You know, it was a crazy story. Kind of one day Lola woke. I woke up and she had her let the left side of her face was just swelled. It was swelled up full. It was black and blue. It was like full of blood. And uh, took her to the vet, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with her. I mean, I, it, we spent a considerable amount of money to try and keep Lola alive. I was in a relationship at the time uh, when I lost Lola, and, and that's why I say we. But uh, unfortunately, like, you know, she had three different blood transfusions because she was. They just couldn't tell why her why her white blood cells weren't raising. So long story short, found some cancer that was inoperable. Finally, finally one of the vets was able to figure out what was going on. And I don't blame veterinarians. It's a hard fucking job. I mean, you have a patient who doesn't talk to you, can't tell you what's wrong, can't tell you what's hurting. So long story short, I felt very guilty that night because I felt like Losing my dog hurt me more than losing my father. And that's strange to say out loud. And some of you guys might be like, what the fuck are you talking about, Jesse? How could that even be something that crossed your mind? And I hope some of you guys understand on the other side of the coin. Like I said, I love my dad. He taught me so much. He made me the man I am. But my dog... So I moved to California. I didn't know anyone outside of a handful of people. You know, I didn't really have any good close guy friends in California. I'd met some since then and I and I built relationships, but when I first moved here, it was difficult to it's difficult for men to start relationships with other men just organically. Like they need to like most of my relationships that friendships that I've built with men are based around sports or similar hobbies or whatever. But like, so at first I didn't have that. And within a month of moving to California, I had two dogs. One was one dog. My dogs, I have Brooklyn, Lola, and Lily. Those were the three pets in my life. Brooklyn was given to me as a birthday gift. And a month later, we... Well, now we, the person I was in a relationship with happened to go to the grocery store and there was a gentleman trying to get someone to rescue dogs in a, in a cardboard box outside of the 
outside of the uh, grocery store, excuse me. So I got a phone call and I'm a huge sucker for dogs. So I'll never, to this day, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with just two dogs now currently by myself. And if someone was like, yeah, this dog needs help, I'd probably take it on, even though knowing I'm solo in that endeavor and three dogs alone is a difficult task. So we adopted Lola as well. Lily was added on later in life, but long my roundabout point is that Brooklyn and Lola were my two best friends for a good period of time here when I first moved to California. You know, my days off were spent with them. You know, I I come home from my work days working opposite shifts as my girlfriend at the time. She would be at work at night. I would work mostly morning. So I'd come home. I spent time with the dogs. So they grew to be my best friends. So I tried to tell myself that I shouldn't feel guilty that I lost my dog and it crushed my soul. Like I wailed. I'm not even exaggerating when I say I was crying like a baby. And to this day, it's even hard for me to look at pictures in my phone and videos and I know it hasn't been that long, you know, February till now, but I, I'm still having a hard time looking at pictures of my dog. I can, I have a picture right on my refrigerator of my dad that I see every single day. And yeah, I miss him, but I can still look at it without any issue. So is that strange? Is it strange to you guys that I had a hard fucking time dealing with my dad passing? I was in a goddamn airport when I found out. This isn't any boo-hoo. I'm not looking for you guys to feel bad for me because I'm sure you've all had similar situations with death. There's never an opportune time for to receive that type of message. But I had to fly home from Detroit to, to California knowing that my dad passed. Uh, that was tough to swallow, but it still wasn't worse than when I had to put my dog down. So yeah, I'm one of those freaks that just loves their pet so much. But it's, unless you actually have owned a dog, owned, I, I hate saying the word owned, unless you've actually had a friendship or a bond with a dog, friendship might sound strange as well. If you hadn't had a bond with a dog or a pet, then you can't really speak on this. Because the unconditional love that they give you, it's unmatched. I don't care how many humans you have in your life that say they love you. The love and the unconditional love that you get from a pet is second to none. It's it's the best feeling in the world. There's no better feeling than when you come home from work and your dog greets you at the door. Yeah, maybe some of you guys might have kids and be like, well, I love it when my son or my daughter meets me at the door. Okay. You don't have to always one-up me with your son or your children's story. (laughs) I love when my dog meets me at the door, and I love my dog. And I've kind of tried to learn that I shouldn't be ashamed of my reaction that night and how it was a little bit more emotional than when I lost my father. But it's still a tough pill to swallow. And it still sometimes makes me feel like an asshole. I loved both of them. I miss both of them. 
Just when Lola passed, I wasn't ready for it. I feel like I was ready for my father to pass because he had been sick for so long. And I could tell what was left of him in there was miserable. I know that sounds dark, but it's true. When you have a disease that basically makes you disabled fully, both physically and mentally, I'm sorry, but I just would rather punch my clock and say, I live my life to the fullest. It's time for me to go. So I don't know. Am I a weirdo because my dog affected me worse than my dad did? Some of you might say yes. And you might be right. But I'm hoping most of you say no. And I'm hoping most of you can understand. (laughs) I know it's going to be hard to transition out of that last little rant I just had there, but Talking about understanding, I saw today or yesterday, I don't know what day it was. I've had the last couple days off from work, so one of them I spent hypothetically at the strip club, the other I slept a good portion of, so it's been a successful couple days off if you ask me. But during the time here this weekend, I saw that the Astros finally understood the move that they needed to make. And fired that assistant GM that opened up his mouth like an idiot. Now, I've now I, I know a lot of you guys right now are upset with the media and what it's doing. And how it's spinning its own tails. And you only hear one side of the story. Believe me, I hate the media as well for a lot of portions of my life. But what this kid did, or what this guy did, I'm not even going to call him a kid. Because he's not a kid, he's a grown man was just fucking idiotic. And I'm not even going to talk about the articles all talking about the toxicity, toxicity, the toxic nature of what's going on in the Astros front office because I don't know enough about that to speak on it. I do know I read a little paragraph and I tweeted about it and I said, here's my two cents. If you removed the words Houston Astros and placed any corporation, any business In replace of it, in that paragraph, it would have read the same exact. So yeah, there's a bit of a mess there. But there's a bit of a mess everywhere. My problem with all this is, the Astros knew what they needed to do from the start. I don't know why they didn't just decide to do it. You fire this guy, immediately this news breaks, you apologize, you focus on the World Series. That should have been step number one. And I shouldn't be smarter than people in the front office who makes these decisions. Come on now. You gotta be better than that. I know the media is twisting stories. I know that there might be more to this. I know that they often just create their own narrative. But there is enough people blowing the whistle on this. You gotta just fire the guy. And deal with a little bit less of the shitstorm. It's that easy. This is going to be a wild transition, but I'm going to start talking about the World Series at some point. Game 5 is almost over here. Astros dominate 
once again, three games in a row. We'll get into that, but uh, we just saw some World Series titties. I really, <laughs> when I saw it at first, I was like, wait a minute. Did I just see that? Smash the rewind button, and sure enough, two nice fine young ladies just popped into the frame and pulled their titties out. So, I guess Nationals do have some great fans. I really can't, <laughs> I can't believe that happened, but uh, anyway, let's start with, I guess, game three, right? Game three and four and five have been played since I last recorded an, uh, a podcast. Game three I watched at the bar. It was kind of a snooze fest, and maybe that's because I was at the bar for it, but, and while we're talking about that, I don't know how you guys watch any important sporting events at the bar as a fan of that team. If you're not a fan, I get it. It doesn't matter. But to me, sitting at the bar watching my team play in the World Series sounds like the worst thing in the world. First off, I enjoy hearing the broadcast. Unless I'm at the game, I want to hear the broadcast. I don't care what asshole it is that's on there announcing the game. I want to hear it. And for the most part, bars don't play broadcasts. They play background music because there's a good percentage of people that might be in there that don't give a shit about the broadcast of the game. Second, I don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of idiots that are either rooting for the other team or are going to put me in a bad mood or just aren't some just people annoy me in in public in general. So I don't want to be there. So I don't know how you guys do that. My anxiety would not allow that to happen. There's no chance I could watch a World Series game in in a bar, that's crazy. I don't know how you do that. That being said, I watched this game in a bar, and I don't know. It just it just felt very boring. Like I know everybody was hyping up the Granky start, but four point two, I think he went. Me, I don't know. I know he sometimes gets high pitch counts, but four point two, four you know four and two thirds innings. I don't know. Get out of here. Give me six at least in the World Series. For it to be a good start. I mean, I guess he got the win, but whatever. Let's talk about Robinson Trinos, though. This guy's about to fuck around and win the World Series MVP. And that's generally how World Series MVPs go, I think. It's just always the guy that you never expect who just shines out of nowhere. Boom, ends up the World Series trophy and a truck from Dodge or whatever the shit they give away. But... Side note, speaking of MVPs, MVPs, not MVPs, MVPs, Anthony Rendon, where the fuck are you? You're about to just go into the offseason where you're going to sign the biggest contract of your career, and you're not showing up in the World Series, nor in most of the postseason, if you ask me. So, maybe that's a good thing for the Dodgers, because I did read somewhere that Rendon said... He'd like to be done playing baseball by the age 36. He's currently 29 years old, so that means he might sign a short contract with high AAV. So, maybe we can win this one. Maybe we have a new third baseman. Justin Turner slides over to first. Cody today outfield. But, back to the World Series. Um, I don't remember what else Game 3... Roundabout stats. That's how I do things around here. You guys can... You've seen the highlights. 
you want a replay, go to SportsCenter or MLB Network. But uh, Game 4, Astros fans, you're welcome. I woke Alex Bregman up single-handedly with my tweet. I believe that. Even post-game, he said, shout out to everybody on Twitter. I think he had just forgot what my at was or else he would have shouted me out directly because of all the trash I've been talking. So, big old Grand Slam. Urquidy, third Mexican starting pitcher in the World Series, I believe. I think that's what they said. Great start. Can't I can't talk shit. I, I, I thought the Nationals would come to life against him, but nope, didn't happen. Bregan smashed that big Grand Slam, and I thought to myself, are the Nats dead? Cut scene. Sunday rolls around. Game five. First things first, Scherzer scratched because of a something with his traps. So Cole versus Joe Ross. Valiant effort, Joe, but... <laughs> The sleeping giant has awoken, and this World Series is basically over. So, so congratulations, Houston Astros. You're probably going to be the 2019 World Series champions. Congrats to my good friend, cocky Astros fan. Nobody deserves it more. Except maybe teams win a goddamn championship fuck so I don't even know when game 6 is it doesn't even fucking matter Tuesday I think this shit is over how are you going to go up 2-0 on the road and lose 3 straight at home that's shitting your pants. That's called shitting your pants right there. Nastros. Nastros. <laughs> the Nationals should be ashamed of themselves. That is fucking garbage. I don't care how many times the Dodgers have choked in the postseason. If they went up 2-0 on Houston and went back to LA, that shit would have been a wrap. No chance we're losing three and straight and at home. All right, maybe we give up two in the worst case scenario. But getting swept at, at home in the World Series? Holy shit. That's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. My team's lost back-to-back World Series. Suck my dick. I know what happened. I'm commenting on right now. And right now, the Washington Nationals... Had fucking the Houston Astros up against the ropes in the first round and started dancing. Ran out of gas and got uppercutted to the fucking moon. So, congrats to all the Astros fans that follow me on Twitter. You guys deserve it. You're a long storied franchise. Filled with winning seasons. <sighs> Is it almost opening day?
So, recap. Game five's over. Astros take a 3-2 advantage in the 2019 World Series. And they're going back to Houston. How many of you guys are going to be in attendance? I'm sure my buddy will. From the sting section. Fuck. Well. What are you going to do? You know, I talked a lot of shit this year about the Houston Astros. And I enjoyed every fucking minute of it. Um, You guys have been great sports. Letting me ball bust. Giving shit back to me. And I think for the most part you guys respect me as a fan because of, because of that I can I can give in and I can take it with the best of them. You guys are the best baseball team in 2019. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. We'll see where next year goes. I'm interested to see what's going to happen to Garrett Cole. You know, they said some shit on the broadcast about Josh Reddick knowing some inside shit that it might be a Cali team or something. I didn't really hear the statement. I kind of heard it, you know, sometimes I'm not really paying attention during the games, I'm on Twitter or whatever, while it's on in the background, but it's not going to be the Astros, so I'm interested to see what they do next year, and I know you guys are like, we don't give a fuck about next year, we're hoisting a trophy here in a couple of days, which, I get it, I wish it was my team, it will be my team soon, I truly believe that, but for now, it's 2019 is the Houston Astros year, regardless of if it's over or not. They fucking won this shit. They, it's give them the trophy. Let's not even play the last two games, and then we don't have to hear about Baby Shark and Gerardo Para anymore. Let's fuck that guy. The only good thing about the Astros winning is that, that bitch doesn't get a goddamn ring. Fuck you, Para. Yeah, I'm mad. No, you know what? I'm not mad. Congratulations to the Houston Astros. I, you know what? You, you're welcome. You're welcome for all the hate that I spewed. It made that much <clears throat> this year that much sweeter. I know it did. And I'm sure here shortly, once the confetti falls in Minute Maid Park, and the train goes choo choo. Or whatever the fuck it does. And Carlos Correa has a surprise wedding. Right in the middle of the celebration. Garrett Cole. You just won the 2019 World Series. What are you going to do? Carlos. Cuts in the scene. Hold up a second, papi. Daniela, where are you at? I love you, mommy. She just pops out of the dugout. Like, full gown on. Like, oh my god, I'm so surprised. (laughs) Nah, but congratulations to the 2019 Houston Astros on another fucking World Series. And to all my friends on Twitter, pull out those bookmarks, quote tweet them with update, throw that shit in my face. It is what it is. I knew what I signed up for when I sent those tweets. And I laughed when I did it. So, it was funny then. It's funny now. And when 2020, opening day rolls around, I'm going to do the same shit all over again. 
See, that's the thing. If you just say a bunch of wild, crazy shit, none of it really bothers you when people call you back on it. I'm not on Twitter for professional takes. I'm not a baseball analyst. I just, I'm just some guy that loves Dodgers and loves to talk shit. So hit me with the updates. It don't really matter. I just love fucking with y'all. So, to all the fans of the Astros that follow me on Twitter, congratulations. You're champions once again. <laughs>